0: by GoVal, simplifying scout teams through simple and direct coach-to-player communication. In episode 15, this will be a recap of the one-back clinic that was held on June 2nd, 2018 at the University of North Texas. Austin James Smith put on the clinic and let me tell you, he did a phenomenal job. From guests like Sonny Dykes to Jimmy Klingler to legends such as Hell Money and John Jenkins, the level of talent that was brought together and shared with the coaches like myself was amazing. If any of you have had the chance to go to this clinic in the past, you know what I'm talking about. But if you haven't, I highly recommend that you guys go next year or in future years and get to share some of this phenomenal coaching acumen and intelligence that is out there. My sources tell me, and from talking to people around the clinic, the clinic will be held at the exact same spot next year, which is the University of North Texas, which is a phenomenal facility. So I'm not sure the date right now off the top of my head, but it'd be great if you can find your way down there next year and join in on this great time to share information about the Air Raid and other spread clinic uh, notes. But before we get started, make sure to go check out igfootballcoach.com for our weekly podcasts and our occasional blog postings. Currently, we are enlisting the services of some guest bloggers for the summer to blog about various topics in the coaching profession. If you'd be interested in such a thing, get a hold of John or I, either via email, tweet, or direct message, and we'll set something up. If you don't know what our Twitter handles are or emails are, you can find them at our website at IGFootballCoach.com. Finally, make sure to go check out our sponsors at GoRoute and see how they can help you make more efficient use of your practice time in this upcoming season. Now let's dig into the one-back clinic. So the first coach that we had the pleasure of listening to was SMU head coach, Sonny Dykes, and he focused mostly on the SMU passing game, Um, and before he got to the the ins and outs of the passing game, one of the things he started to talk about first was just some of the essential drills that you have to have if you're in order to do some of the things that SMU's doing, or even, he said, any air raid um, offense out there would need to do these on an almost daily basis in order to develop some of the skills and the habits necessary to be successful in such an offense. And so the two drills he said, which he said a lot of teams do this, but he doesn't, doesn't know if, if everybody understands the value of them, which is the settle the noose and the pat-and-go drills. He said both of these are going to help develop your quarterbacks and receivers in the fashion that is necessary to be successful in the air raid, or especially in, in Sonny Dykes' SMU passing offense. The next thing he started to talk a little bit about was his offensive philosophy. And and one of the interesting things that I found about his offensive philosophy is he talked about how you need to match your scheme with some of the size and personnel that you have up front. And so he first talked about his offensive linemen and he, he talked about their their size. So for example, one of the things he emphasized was that say, for example, you have very big powerful linemen up front. He said one of the things that you're going to want to do then is to make sure that if you have O-linemen that are big and strong, one of the things you're going to want to do for them is have wider splits. And the reason why he said you want little to have wider splits up front is because number one, you're going to have better blocking angles and these guys can get better displacement without the needs for having that very tight splits and creating double team angles. He also said that one of the downsides of these wide splits would be that you can't pull as much. And so he says mostly your mostly schemes going to have to be either inside zone or outside zone or, or possibly ISO in your run game. He doesn't believe that power, counter, those type of gap scheme things that involve pulling would be very successful when you have big linemen anyway. And with the wide splits, it really doesn't make much sense up front. He said on the flip side, if you have small and quick offensive linemen, you're going to want to then have smaller splits. To utilize a lot more agility to use a little bit more of a disadvantage that they have in terms of their physical stature so he says obviously if you have small and quick offensive linemen with these smaller splits you can pull um, which allows for more options such as he believes play action passing and rpos are better suited for linemen that are small and quick with smaller Mm -hmm. splits in addition to that He says that by pulling your linemen, it will drastically improve your play-action passing. So he says that if anybody's going to run a successful play-action pass, whether it be under center, in shotgun, in the air raid, or in just a pro-eye offense, he believes that by pulling linemen is really going to help sell that uh, play fake and really pull up that middle linebacker or outside linebackers. So again, a quick recap there. If you got big linemen that can really move people, go with wider splits. If you got small, quick linemen, Go for the smaller splits. Another interesting thing that Coach Dykes talked about, which I found extremely valuable, is well, he talked about situations. And and one of the things that I found interesting was when he's when he talked about in critical situations. And as coaches, we know exactly what he's talking about. Those critical situations at third and five when you need a first down, or you know, it's your first and ten going into the end zone at, at the 15-yard line and you need to come up with a play. He said when he's looking at his play call sheet. Or when they're doing their game planning, they're not necessarily worried about necessarily, you know, what play we should run or what run we should run or you know what protection we should have up front. Their basic worry is who should touch the ball. So if your best athlete is at running back, find a way to get him involved and touch the ball. And if you have a guy, your best guy is at wide receiver, try to find a way to get him in man-to-man coverage and single him up so he can utilize his talents to the best of his abilities. The next thing that Coach Dykes talked about was the cross concept, Y-cross. And, and we've all probably run this at one point in time or run some sort of variation of it. And one of the things he talked about with the cross that he, that I really never thought about was adjusting your splits of your wide receivers to create more space and more options for the, the Y-cross to be successful. So, for example, he talked about that post curl that you run a lot of times with your outside receiver away from the cross – um, that you can adjust your splits to to give yourself a little bit more space and a little bit more options when creating that last outlet for your quarterback. Additionally, he showed how he runs cross out of 20 and 21 personnel um, using that fullback or that H-back, whatever you want to have in 21 personnel or 20 personnel to run that out or run that, um, that speed out. Um, the same side as your vertical route and then have the cross come in over top of it as well. Um, That was an interesting way of of putting it. And he had some really good film to kind of back that up as well. Um, He also showed some ways to run cross out of empty, um, which one of the things that he did that was out of empty. So if you're thinking about a three by two set on the two receiver side, um, he would have his vertical route and his speed out. But on the three receiver side, The inside guy, which he said can either be a running back or can possibly be your slot receiver, he's going to run the wheel, and then the middle guy of those three wide receivers is running your cross, and then the outside guy in that three wide receiver set is running your post curl. Now, he says that a lot of times he believes that the wheel route is the one that's the most underutilized, and he also believes that it's a lot of times the one that really is going to hit that home run shot when you've been running cross time after time after time. And he said, especially if you're running out of a, a, an empty set where normally that inside slot receiver who's running the wheel is running like a, a quick speed out of their own, that kind of is going to get those safeties and corners to, to walk up a little bit, which is going to leave you a real nice position to have that wheel route down the sideline. The other thing that he talked about was that when you're going against teams that are in the Tampa two defensive system or employ that form of defense, he said that one of the big things and teaching points that he tells his guys is that 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 player who's running the speed out, who's usually at about four to five yards that he teaches, he said against Tampa 2, you're going to want to have that out route go and break at 10 to 12 yards. And one of the reasons for that is you're going to put a little bit more stress on that safety, and you're going to put a little bit more stress on the outside linebacker who are trying to take those things away, which is going to open up that cross route a little bit more. And then if not, you still have that 10 to 12 yard out route breaking that can help get the quarterback out of a, a difficult situation. The last thing that he talked about was some screens that they use, and they use a combination of a swing screen and a slow slip screen um, as one of their most probably successful screen concepts at SMU. So if you can imagine being in like a two-by-two set, for example, um, to the boundary you're going to be running a slip screen. So the outside receiver is obviously going to take a few steps forward, retrace his steps, and take a slip screen path. The inside receiver on that Uh, two by two set would then go block the corner now to the field you're going to have the both receivers blocking um, more like a slant Route type of blocking scheme where you you're, you take your first two steps vertical, then come at a very sharp 45 degree angle, but then set up to block. So the inside receiver would kind of aim for the the alley player or the outside linebacker, whereas the outside receiver is probably me looking for the safety um, or the corner, depending on who kind of shows and is most dangerous first. But they want to take that slant path mm-hmm. to kind of help sell a little bit more that idea of you know slants with a with a swing out back. So again, back to this field, you have these two receivers blocking these this slip screen, or excuse me, a, a swing screen, and you have your halfback swinging out, and up front, your left tackle, which is going to be towards the boundary, is going to be locked on in base blocking, but then your left guard and center are going to check for about a two count, and then they're going to leak out towards the the perimeter of the play, which is going to time up well with the slip screen. Sonny talked about how, you know, you want to get contact with those guys up front, but you don't want to get such that you're locking onto them and you can't get out and break to your your screen routes um, in a timely manner. Now, the right guard and right tackle in this situation, they're just using waterfall Mm -hmm. protection, um, blocking on and trying to kind of keep the pocket as clear as possible to the right side. And the quarterback in this case is reading the outside linebacker towards the field which is going to be going where the the halfback is swinging towards and and if that if that outside linebacker chases the swing well then the quarterback comes back to that slip screen into the boundary if the outside linebacker does anything other than chase either keep his feet moving in the same spot or makes a kind of like a hash drop or curl drop then he says throw the swing route and then kind of go from there he said you can run this also out of a three-by-one set where now you'd have three receivers to the field who are all blocking the swing screen, and then the boundary would still be that um, one receiver. Those are the big things that Coach Dykes talked about. Um, he's really, really big into the cross being kind of like their staple of their passing game, and he talked a little bit about four verts, but it was really nothing that you know most air raid coaches wouldn't be familiar with in the first place. The second coach that came down to speak to us with Jimmy Klingler, who was a former quarterback at the University of Houston during coach John Jenkinson's era. He's had a, a very um, illustrious coaching career. He had a variety of different stops to both the collegiate and high school level. And he's really doing some good stuff down there, kind of blending the air raid with the run and shoot of, of the Houston days. And some of the things that he talked about was just quarterback development in, in such a system. And so He said the big things with his quarterbacks that he asked them to do is is these few things. To protect the ball, get them in a good play, lead the team, distribute the ball, and when they're doing that, the quarterback must be always cognizant that they are the only position that is dependent on everybody else because the quarterback can't do his job effectively unless everybody else does theirs. And so he says he needs his quarterbacks to have them develop that mindset because they need to rely on knowing everybody else's his roles and getting them in the right position to succeed. Because if they're not in the right spot, there's no way that his job's going to be successful either. Now he said, with that, some of the common problems that he sees with his quarterbacks at whether it be the high school or col- collegiate level are, are the following things. The first thing is is whenever we tag a wide receiver, maybe it'd be like on a Y post or a Y post corner. A lot of times the quarterback will always lock on to whatever receiver the tag is, and that's for sure. You know the case was, you know the guys that we coach up here, if we call the post or if we call a post corner, they're going to be locking onto that and they're going to tie their life to it. And, and a lot of times that's going to get us into, you know, holding the ball a little bit too long. It's going to um, not time up well with the quarterback's going to try to force things in, and it just really doesn't do all that well and so the big big thing he emphasized with his quarterbacks is although I'm tagging these things that is not your sole only read in the whole progression it is something usually that we're seeing could be a nice helpful you know addition that's going to either break free or if we really think that you're going to throw that route we're going to let you know but he said just because I tagged it doesn't mean you have to throw it The next thing that he also talked about in their common quarterback problem was was seeing the rush. He said a lot of times your quarterback comes up there, will scan the coverage, but a lot of times his quarterbacks are not looking at the box and where the pressure is coming from. And he believes that this is kind of leading to quarterbacks just really not understanding kind of where he's at and what he needs to be doing within certain concepts or within certain protectants. The other thing that he, he says, he talks about with his quarterback problems, it's something that, you know, we see up here too, is quarterbacks thrown across their body and, you know, scrambling left and trying to throw right and, and vice versa. And he said one of the things that will help combat this is helping the quarterback realize kind of where his protection is, where the blitz is coming, and then what is the concept trying to do? Where the quarterback – Usually, if he's trying to throw across his body, he's trying to force something in there that isn't there, um, because he said what quarterback coach or what offensive coordinator is going to develop his scheme that involves a quarterback rolling out and then their primary throw is across their body. If they're doing that, then it's just really not very smart coaching. But he said, for whatever reason, whenever co- quarterbacks try to do that, it's typically on a route that is not part of the primary progression. So. That's one of the things that he said you have to really emphasize with them guys in order to kind of be successful in the air raid and the, the run and shoot. So, then after that, um, I sat down with Coach Klingler in his breakout session and just kind of picked his brains on on more X's and O's type of things. And one of the things that he um, said that resonated with me a little bit was talking about the run game. And he says if you're getting five guys in between your tackle box, so we're talking, you know, maybe. 2-2 two, two techniques and a nose and then, in, you know, two linebackers, for example. He said if to, at any point in time there are five guys in between your tackles, then your run game needs to be kind of narrowed down to either a power read scheme, an outside zone scheme, or a pin and pull, something that attacks the perimeter because he said oftentimes you're going to look like, well, there's five guys in the, block, the box. Um, we better be running the football. But the the reality is these guys are in positions that are making running an A and B gap extremely difficult. So he said if you want to run the ball, that's fine, but you need to do so most of the time on the perimeter with something like a pin and pull, power read, or outside zone scheme. Another thing that he kind of talked about um, in terms of like the passing game that I found interesting was was the corner route, and we and we run corner a lot with our you know our smash scheme and our smash concepts. And he said a lot of times what you see with high school receivers is that they'll break off that corner route, and it almost becomes like a an, a very leveled out corner. There's not that that nice angle that you per, prefer when running the corner route. And so he said one of the teaching points that he gives his receivers is that when they run the corner route, they have to take three steps after their break towards the corner before they can look for the ball. And he says that by doing this, the receivers stay on that nice, clean path that they're looking for, and they don't necessarily bend their their route back, which gives the quarterback a little bit more room to throw the ball into, which then again leads to a little bit higher success rate with the smash route. Third coach that I sat down and listened to was AJ Smith, which is the quarterback's coach for Jackson State. And he works under Hell Mummy. And just let me be honest with you up front, a coach said it down there at the clinic, and I think it's a hundred percent true that AJ Smith is the next big coach in an offensive great offensive mind here in collegiate football today. I mean, if you just listen to the guy talk. He just has a phenomenal grasp of the game of football, and he's worked under a lot of very good offensive minds, such as Noel Mazzoni and, you know, Hell Mummy, obviously. So this guy's got a real great grasp of how things are going on. And he even had the opportunity, he talked about working with Johnny Manziel up in the CFL over the last couple of weeks and kind of getting him up to speed on some of the different things that June Jones is running up there with the run and shoot. And he said, you know, with all those different things, one of the biggest teaching tools that he uses um, is, is the virtual reality. And if you haven't seen the virtual reality, um, there's a lot of information out there on that. And I got to kind of experience the virtual reality. They had a demo down there and it is such a great teaching tool. And AJ Smith is kind of spearheading that development. And if you want to hear more about you know, the VR and you know, a lot of his teaching things, check out the episode that he did with Ron Mackey um, on his Talking Football podcast, because that's a, a phenomenal episode with a lot of information that he particularly gets to share. And, and it really puts on display his knowledge and grasp of the game. Now, one of the things that he talks about with his quarterbacks is just how he teaches the quarterbacks to be successful inside the air raid. And one of the first things that he says that he teaches them to do is to read the safeties. He's a one or two high safety. okay. And then after that, he says, read the box number. And then finally, the corner alignment before every snap. He said, it, our quarterbacks have to do this before every snap because it creates a nice habit for them to be understanding what the defense is trying to do to them. And one of the things that virtual reality allows them to do is to check – Are these guys checking the safeties? Are they checking the box number? And are they checking the corner alignment? If they're not, you're going to see it on the virtual reality reps. So that's one of the things that he said was extremely beneficial for them in and, and, and going forward. He also talked about look for the uncovered receiver. And if you find an uncovered receiver, whether it be in the slot because um, there's no overhang out there and the safety is like 15 yards off um, or if it's a three-by-one set and it could be the inside receiver, um, he said try to exploit that as much as possible. And they have a series of almost 20 checks in their offense where if a quarterback sees an uncovered receiver – he can make an an audible that's going to get that uncovered receiver the ball. And a lot of that's based off of where's the grass and where's the the open receiver. And so he said by doing those three things, it's going to help identify the uncovered receiver faster, which is going to put the quarterback in a better position to succeed. So, um, for example, against an uncovered receiver um, that may be in the slot, his favorite thing versus one high would be an out concept, then outside vertical, and then an inside speed out. And then versus two high, he he, fee- he feels the best check would be um, to zero in on the corner to the field for the read, and then re- run some sort of a smash concept. Um, now, the interesting thing about a smash concept that he runs is when they run their smash, they they. They do it a couple different ways, but one of the ways that he taught it was that say we're running smash the field. He said, you know, you're obviously your inside guy is going to run your, your corner route, and he's going to set it at about 10 to 12 yards and then kind of go from there towards the sideline. Then obviously the outside guy usually has your hitch or your, your curl route. Now one of the things that they do is they kind of zero in on the safety during this time, and if the safety is really jumping that corner route and that corner is really trying to play both to really kind of shrink the window of that corner route – they tell their their receiver who's running that little bit of a hitch to kind of sell it like he's running the hitch. And then after he kind of shows his hands to kind of pivot and then take off almost towards like a post route or towards the, the hash and around a vertical route. Because a lot of times that safety has vacated that zone and there's just a huge little area right in there for the quarterback to bend the ball into. And he said um, one of the first things that they'd look for when they're running that, that smash is what is that safety doing? If he tries to bend over top of that corner, uh, aggressively, they know then we're going to come back to that adjustment where that hitch is going to kind of be converted to like almost like a post or a hash drop. Another thing that he talked about was um, the shallow concept. And I'll be honest, the, the, the way he taught the shallow concept was, was awesome. Um, but at the same time, it's really nothing different than what Hal would teach. So for example, if you run the shallow concept, um, AJ talks a lot about reading the back or excuse me, the backer opposite. Um, the shallow route and and depending on what that backer is doing is going to be dependent upon what where the quarterback throws the ball but the interesting thing he said about the shallow concept was a lot of times if you're in a two by two set coaches will from left to right um, say for example at the shallow routes coming from the left they'll you know have their receivers from the two by two to the boundary go you know vertical route shallow and then to the field they'd have that dig route and then a lot of people like to uh, tag that second route as a post and what AJ said is that he tells his guys to always keep it first at a vertical route until they see that safety cheating over the top towards the vertical. Then they hit the post route because he said if you have that post route always tagged, you're really never going to know whether or not that you know, post is ever going to break open. And he doesn't think it's a very successful concept and, and kind of a waste of their time. The next speaker we have to listen to is what my estimation would be the keynote speaker of the conference, which was Hal Mummy of Jackson State, who's currently the offensive coordinator there and also kind of the architect of the Air Raid. Now, a couple of things that Coach Mummy said that it kind of resonated with me didn't have anything to do with X's and O's, uh, it more had to do on philosophy. And, And one of the things that he said was, be important for the job you're doing. And I think that's extremely important to consider because, I mean, if you talk about your player's responsibilities or even a coach's responsibilities, it's extremely important for you to do the best you can at the job that you're given and not worry about the next job or not worry about what somebody else's job is compared to yours. It's mostly important to be important for the job you're doing because if everybody does that and everybody carries that exact same mentality, good things are going to happen. The other thing that he said that I love the quote was have a great capacity for boredom because he talked about the importance of doing every single rep over and over again to the best of your ability and that if you have a great capacity for boredom, that's never going to bother you. You're always going to see the bigger picture. You're always going to see the gains that are going to be coming from doing things the right way every single rep over and over again. So having a great capacity for boredom, he said, is is crucial for any successful team he's been a part of. He also said a couple other things that I think are extremely important, which are, one, never hurt a strength to solve a weakness, and also that reps are always more important than scheme. He said you should never have to sacrifice reps in practice to help try something new in scheme. If your scheme is too complex that you are sacrificing reps, then it's probably something that you need to trim down or simplify. And I think that's extremely important because, you know, I can remember back last year in in one of my first years coordinating, I simply wanted to put as much scheme in as possible, uh, have us be good at a lot of things. uh, But in reality, we had way too much in. We were average at a lot of things and really not Majoring in anything, and so I think that that is an extremely important, valuable insight. And, and Coach Mummy said it best. The other thing that Coach Mummy talked about was the the four verts play and also the mesh play. In terms of like the the four verts play, there really isn't a lot of big teaching points that he talked about with the four verts concepts. But one of the things he did talk about is just simply the spacing of your wide receivers and, and how important it is for the outside wide receivers in the six play to stay on top of the numbers and while the inside receiver should um, try to aim two yards inside the hash. And his big teaching point was that if you cannot outrun the safety over top by the inside receiver the big thing he needs to do is find grass and hitch up somewhere before the safety and he said likely that could be anywhere between you know 12 and 15 yards Um, but the interesting part that he talked about with with six had to do with with six in the red zone and I've always had troubles I've always thought you know you know, four verts is something that you wouldn't necessarily call in the red zone, but he says that it can be extremely valuable as long as you kind of teach it the right way. And and one of his teaching points for six in the red zone was that you got to first check the leverage on your outside receiver. And he actually prefers to run six in the red zone, actually out of 22 personnel with two tights, a fullback or H-back, and then a halfback, and then a a singled out receiver um, likely towards the field. And he said, if you check the leverage on Z, you can kind of see kind of the angle in which, um, or is what we'd call the Z, I, I should say, um, or the outside receiver can find the leverage. You can figure out what kind of verticality the, the receiver needs to have when, when setting against his defender. So the ideal def- uh, route should be something that stacks on top of the defensive back and then saves space for the quarterback to bring the ball back towards the sideline. Additionally, the other thing that he talks about is that everybody on the line of scrimmage with the hand down, which should be tight end, should always take an outside release, and they should be aiming for the hash marks. Um, they actually said that you know your um, Y tight end or your tight end to the, the same side as um, your outside receiver, he believes that that break should be more like a post. and uh, it, it might be a skinny post at that, but he said that you know, when you're telling your guys to aim for the hash marks, also tell them to kind of say that it's going to be a little bit more like a post and that the quarterback would bring you back towards the middle of the field. He also said that out of this 22-personnel set, the most valuable route that you can attach to the six concept would be a wheel by the halfback out of the backfield. Um, now, he said with this, this fullback or H-back, you should have them check release to um, either a shoot route if there's nobody coming or just, you know, fit off the end line of the, the line of scrimmage if you get pressure. And he said your, your reads for your quarterback should be that outside receiver or in our case we'd call it the Z to your Y, which would be your tight end towards the the receiver side, and then also your backside tight end. And then your last option should be your wheel route out of the backfield. But he says that a lot of times in the red zone, he actually believes that that wheel route's the the most common out there. The other thing he talked about was the mesh concept, and the way he teaches the mesh is really the same as what I've I've read in a lot of books, but kind of emphasized a couple things of one, your Y always sets your mesh. Um, and he said you always set it at six yards of depth. And then the, your other receiver, whoever's coming underneath that mesh, needs to come underneath the mesh at about five yards. And he also emphasizes the slapping of the hands by these two people um, going through. But he said the Y should always set the mesh at six yards. And during that time, you said um, they need to be able to read those defenders and and determine whether or not they got somebody chasing them, which would then indicate that it's man-to-man defense, or if, for example, they're just sitting there, in which case it'd be zone defense. And you need to hitch up somewhere between those linebackers um, if it is zone defense. And he said one of the teaching points that he teaches is why is to zero in on the defender over top of the person running the under route, from the opposite side. And if they are following that person, then it tells them he's man. And then obviously if he's not moving or trying to collision, he's looking more like zone. So um, I think it's an extremely important teaching point is simply to kind of focus on the opposite defender um, that's coming underneath you to to determine whether or not it's man or zone. But he said the big point of, of mesh is for whatever your outside receiver is, um, outside of the mesh. I mean, we call it our Z receiver, which would be to our formation strength or to the field. Um, but you might say your outside receiver towards the field. Basically, he said it, it's all about pitch and catch out there. And his big thing is that um, there needs to be some sort of a hand signal, whether it be you know a hitch, a fade, an out, or a post, that the quarterback's main goal is to play pitch and catch with this outside receiver. And if you can do that – then he's going to be successful. If not, he comes off that route, if it's anything that's cloudy, then he comes to his mesh. Now he also talks about um, for his his running back out of the backfield, he actually has him on a swing and he tells his his swing to go about five-step sprinting and then to work slow towards the line of scrimmage just for timing purposes. He says he doesn't want them to get out there too fast because then it's going to ruin the timing of the quarterback's read progressions. The last thing that that Coach Mommy talked about that I'll touch on here is running mesh in the red zone. And one of the big things that he talked about was that when he runs mesh in the red zone, again, he loves that 22-personnel look. He likes it out of split backs in the backfield. And one of the things that he likes to do is to take that single wide receiver, which, again, we would call the Z, and bring him in motion. And while he's doing that, it'll allow the Y and the X along with the quarterback to see how the defense is adjusting. And sometimes a defense will tip their hand whether they're not in – man or zone during this time period. Now, one of the things he said, too, is once the Z comes all the way across the, the formation, once he gets outside of the tight end on the short side of the field, that's when the, the quarterback will, will, will snap the ball. And then the guy that's in motion, that Z, will run the under route of the mesh concept. The Y, like always, is going to be set in the mesh at six yards. But then that opposite tight end, whether you call it your, your left tight end or your X tight end, he's actually going to take an outside release and then set it towards a post. Uh, now he said you could also tag that towards a corner route if you would like, but he found the most success for, for making that an outside release and a very skinny post towards um, the back of the end zone. He then again has his H wheeling out of the backfield, um, or his tailback wheeling out of the backfield, and then he said for on that wheel towards the red zone, Tell your tailback, don't go any further than the front front pylon. So although he's wheeling out, he should hitch up right around that front pylon. And if the quarterback is late with that read, throw back shoulder to that uh, halfback out of the backfield. And then obviously your other back, your fullback or your your second tailback, he's still check releasing like it was um, when you'd run mesh in the middle of the field. So those are some of the th- big things. And, I mean, it was awesome talking to Hal. I got to talk to him out, outside of the clinic during his, his breakout sessions and just kind of talk about um, all of his different stops and then his kind of time in, in, in Iowa, which I was extremely interested in, obviously because us being up in Minnesota, we have a lot of the same you know weather constrictions and stuff like that. So you know, it was great talking to him. He, he was as advertised. He's extremely knowledgeable, and, and I feel very fortunate to have heard him speak. The last speaker of the clinic was legendary coach John Mm -hmm. Jenkins, and um, what I got out of Coach Jenkins wasn't necessarily a you know X's and O's standpoint. More as I got a lot out of it in terms of how he kind of understands how the defense is is trying to take away some of the things on the offense. And his big his topics of of his speech was talking about how to defeat some of the most advanced. Um, techniques that the defense will use. And he said one of the biggest things is before you even get into attacking the weaknesses of the defense, the first thing that you have to do is is do the following things in the progression of each play, which is first, make sure you're properly aligned. If if a player is not properly aligned, there's no way you're going to be able to accurately diagnose what the defense is trying to do to you. The second thing is you got to have a proper stance. You can't be using uh, proper s- or improper stance that's going to make you lose steps because every step is valuable to the timing of the play and defeating some of the more advanced techniques of the defense. And then each player, whether it be the quarterback or the receiver, tight end, halfback, whatever, they got to know their keys. They got to understand, okay, at this landmark, what is the defender trying to do? And if the defender is doing this What is my adjustment to it? So he needs to know the keys of the defense, whether it be the hips of the defender, um, the inside alignment of the defender, the eyes of the defender. Where are they looking? Are they in the backfield? If they know their keys, it's going to give them a better chance of success. And then the final thing that he says are important to the progression of each play is know your responsibility. There's no way you can execute the things above if you can't first put it into the context of whatever the responsibility is for that individual play. And he said that if you do that and you know your assignment and give 100% effort, that good things are going to happen, whether it be in the passing game or the running game. And he said the opponents have no control over these factors. These are things that are completely under the control of the offense. And, again, Coach Jenkins had a lot of good things about how to defeat the, those different types of you know coverage schemes and different kind of techniques by the defensive backs. Um, but, I mean, there are mostly stuff that you could find if you were to look through you know most wide receiver um you know textbooks or, or any kind of books written on that. You know the importance of foot fire, the importance of using your hands, the importance of stemming, um, the importance of stacking the receivers. I mean things that we have you've heard probably numerous times throughout um, clinics that you've probably attended. But you know the big thing with with Coach Jenkins was just all the stories he told. I mean he told stories from his time with Coach Party and he talked about his time in the CFL. and I mean just. He's a great guy. Um, I I would highly recommend if you could hear him speak. He's at at the least amount entertaining. Um, He's a great guy to listen to and a great ambassador for our game. So, that was my recap of the one back clinic. Uh, if you have any more questions on it, I'd be happy to share my notes with you. Just get a hold of me on Twitter, uh, or possibly get a hold of me via email, and I'll be happy to send those notes to you. I've drawn up a lot of the diagrams um, that Coach talks about, whether it be you know Coach Mummy or Coach you know Smith or Coach um, Dykes. I got them all drawn up and be happy to share them with you. Just let me know, um, and it wouldn't be a hassle at all.